It's the North Shore Vineyard Church Audio Podcast. I'm Crispin Schroeder. Today on the podcast, we have part 15 of our series on the book of Philippians called Letters from Prison. And today we have a special guest speaker, one of uh, the guys on our teaching team at North Shore Vineyard by the name of Dan Nischke. This will be his second time speaking at our church. And he's going to tell us all about Epaphroditus. Those of you uh, who are pregnant, looking for a name for your upcoming child, uh, you may want to consider Epaphroditus. That would be a nice, unique uh, name that nobody has these days. Uh, (laughs) Well, the name of this message is Compassionate Companions, and uh, we're going to be challenged by this. I think you'll get a lot out of it. So... Without further ado, let's go ahead and head over to the talk in downtown Covington at North Shore Vineyard Church. Thanks for listening. Dan Nitschke. All right. right. You probably knew I was going to be speaking today because, one, I shaved, and two, I'm wearing pants. Uh, So, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, as opposed to wearing shorts. Thanks, Brian. Because <laughs> I normally wear shorts when I come to church, is what I'm saying. But, you know, <laughs> Crispin asked me to uh, see if I would uh, be willing to present a message this week because he was going to be out of town. And uh, so, of course, I said yes. I'm, I'd like the opportunity to. And um, I know it's just as excruciating for Crispin to leave out of town and leave the reins with someone else than it is for someone like myself to actually get up and present and do a message. So last week, uh, in the middle, Crispin was like, you know, How, how's it coming? How's it going? You, you, get, you need any help? Can I, can I give you an outline? Can, what, what do you need? What do you need? And so I knew he was a little tense. And so uh, <laughs> he's on his trip uh, to Phoenix, and I, I sent him an email. And I said, Crispin, Paula and I got invited to an all-expense-paid cruise, and we can't <laughs> pass it up. It is really a trip of a lifetime. I know you'll understand. Thanks, bro. And I sent him this email. <laughs> and so, um, so I was, immediately I was like, well, I'm going to reply just to make sure he knows it's a joke. But I started to, to type my message to him, and like God gave me a, a kind of something that I wanted to run past him. I wanted to kind of you know, see, hey, what would you think about this as an idea? So I started writing it, and then another pop thought popped in my mind, and I was like, Man, that's good. So I'm, uh, two hours later, I'm still into this email that I'm responding back to Crispin to tell him, hey, it was just a joke. And right in the middle of all of that, I get an email back from Crispin saying, dude, what, are you serious? <laughs> so um, timing is everything. Um, I kind of dropped the ball. I felt really bad. I called him r- up right after I did that. And, uh, <laughs> it was um, very loving. So um, today, I wanted I wanted to start the message off today with kind of a title. It's just what I like to do, and today is titled "Wanted Compassionate Companions." What I have in my hand here today is the classified section from the Times Picayune, uh, dated Friday. But in it, you'll find everything that you want because the want ads are specifically 
well, they're want ads. I mean, you can find everything in here from cars to cats, from desks to dates, from entertainment to employment. You'll find it here in these pages. Whatever you're buying, whatever you're selling, whatever you're trading, whatever you're renting, you'll find it here, except, except for, well, for what I want. And what is it that I want? Well, a few weeks ago, studying Philippians, we learned in Philippians 1, 4 through 6, he who began a good work in you, carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Well, the joy of Jesus is moving forward in love and faith as his faithful followers. That's what I want, but you won't find it here. Now, when something happens where Crispin comes up to me and says, hey, Dan, would you be willing to talk for me while I'm out of town? Most often I'll say yes, because it does two things for me specifically. One, when I do a Bible study, I usually grow more in the education of the Bible, so it does benefit me. But two, when I step out of my comfort zone and I, I make something that's a little bit uncomfortable for me, my faith is increased all that much more. So I win on both sides here. But to me, the big ad is this. It's the Bible. And the question that I have to you today is then now, how will I answer? So let's pray for today's text. Father, we thank you for an opportunity just to gather here today and just to meet in one location, to worship you, Lord, in, in praise and worship, and to study your word. And Father, I, I just pray that today that you would just uh, you would reach the hearts for those that are out there, Lord that you would uh, soften their hearts, open their ears, um, allow the message to, uh, to absorb in, Lord. Let the message not be from me, Lord, but we just pray that the, the Holy Spirit would intercede on my behalf. Father, we thank you for this day and this time and this study. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So today we are in uh, Philippians 2. 25. We're doing a verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study of the, the book of Philippians. We've been in Philippians for a long time now, and we've making our way all the way to uh, chapter 2 so far. But we are into an interesting point. Uh, when uh, Crispin said, hey, look, I want you to do this talk, I said, great, well, what's it on? He said, Epaphroditus. I said, who? Epaphroditus. I said, well, okay, I'll take it on. It sounds great. So, um, Let's start with the passage today. Verse 25, if you have your Bibles with me. If not, you can read up on the screen. But I think it necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him. And not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. Welcome him in the Lord with great joy, and honor men like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for the help you could not give me. Your attention, please. Here we find Epaphroditus. Paul describes him, well, a fellow worker. But he's more than that. I looked up the, the original translation of the meaning of Epaphroditus. Sometimes I like to do that, especially on the words such as Epaphroditus. I wanted to try and get the, uh, the understanding of what it really meant. And so it, what it means is 
Epaphroditus means agreeable. Well, does that mean specifically that Epaphroditus then would be your classic yes man? He'll do anything that you want? Well, not so much in this context. What I, what I found is, no, agreeable means in the sense of understanding your side. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, have you ever known or met anyone that they just like to take the opposing side just to be different? I mean, if you, were in, if you brought them to a church and you said, hey, man, wasn't that church great? The, the worship was just awesome, man. It's fantastic. Well, yeah, it was, it was okay, but, you know, it's kind of small. and It doesn't really look like a church. And, well, the chairs are kind of uncomfortable. I mean, there's always someone that's willing. They want to take that opposing side. Or, man, isn't that tree outside? It's just gorgeous. I love the way that it blooms. Well, yeah, but have you seen that tree in the fall, what it does with all those leaves? And then you got to rake them up and it's just a mess. That's just kind of, that's what I'm talking about there. It's with Epaphroditus, he is agreeable to the point of understanding your needs. He's there. He's got your back. Paul's in prison, as we've been reading, reading, and he says, you know, I wish I had a couple of guys. I wish I had a couple of guys that I could trust that could take this letter back to Philippi. And then here's Timothy over here. Hey, Paul, Paul, I'm over here. What do you need? I can help you. You need anything? And Paul's like, you know, Timothy, actually, I got other plans for you. Um, hang tight with that thought, though. And then here's Epaphroditus right behind him. Paul, what do you need? I can do it. What, I'm your man. I, I can be there for you. What, you want me to go to Philippi? I can go to Philippi for you if you want me to go to Philippi. And that's the type of quality character that we only find in a few people. They are Paul's compassionate companions. How compassionate? Well, notice what we read from last week in verse 20 and 22, and I'll read it for you. Paul says, and this is about Timothy, I have no one else like him who takes genuine interest in your welfare, for everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. Now, I don't know if you understand it, but good Christian character is that when you see of someone down, your heart's desire, that desire that's inside of you, when you see someone down like that, is you want to go and help them and bring them back up. But is that how, what we see today as we're out there and in our own hearts specifically? Well, when you drive by the street and you see someone stranded on the side of the road, do you just keep on driving? The guy on the corner with the sign... Do we just roll up the windows? What about the person on the other side of the phone conversation? Do we just shut them off because we don't want to be inconvenienced? Would you brush it off and just say, well, you know what? It's probably a scam and I'm just too busy anyways. See, may I remind you of the two, the Levite and the priest that walked past the man. You see the man, he was beaten. He was broken. He was down on his luck. He had a need. And the good Samaritan, well... He's so interested in the well-being of others that he would rather go out of his way to help them. It's kind of like, well, it's kind of like today or even back when we had one church service, when we had not enough room to handle the amount of people that came into here for, for a church service. And as you see people coming in through the door, you feel like, you have your specific spot where you sit. It's your spot. Every week you come and sit in the same chair every week, week after week. But as you see people that come into there, and there might be a new family that comes in through that door, and you say, man, you know what? 
I need to give up my seat. I need to make this a little bit more comfortable for someone else. And, you know, I don't mind sitting in front of the mic stand or standing on top of the, uh, in, right in front of the stage. I'm okay, but I'd rather do that for the benefit of for someone else. See, that's the heart. The heart is that you don't come in here looking for a better seat, but you'd rather take the worst seat for someone else. Now you say, Dan, well, that's, that's kind of a weak illustration, even for today. I mean, especially, you know, I arrived just specifically early so I could have my seat. You know, it is my seat. I come here week after week and this is my spot. Don't you understand? And I say, well, okay, it is your spot, but can you give up your spot even for a day? Well, I don't know. Who is it? Well, is it someone of power? Is it someone that I like? Well, what if today with a sincere heart, you decided to take a different spot? And when you took that spot, you said, oh, Lord, please, please, the person that sits next to me, Father, touch their heart, Lord, and just be with them. And at that time, when that person walks in, oh, no, 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 Lord, not that person, not that person. That's not what I have. See, I'm single, Lord. I'm single, and I'm praying for a beautiful blonde to some sit right next to me. You know, what I stopped at, that's... That is not approaching Christ with your own interest. It's about the interest of someone else and not for you. You see, that is two, diff- two different conditions of the heart. And that's what Paul is saying here. The difference is one is, concerned, is a concerned, compassionate Christian. And the other one is for own selfish gain or your own pride. Oh, I can remember not too long ago that I was preached a message, a message of heaven and hell. And the message was that of, not of a loving Jesus, but that, do you want to go to heaven? And my response at the time was, well, wait a minute. If that's hell, I don't want anything to do with that. So whatever I need to be in heaven, that's where I want to be. So if I need to follow Jesus, I'll follow Jesus because that's where I don't want to spend eternity. But what am I clearly saying there? I mean, I would rather hedge my bet and go to heaven than follow Jesus. But does that mean that I'm more here for myself than I am for Christ? So wait a minute. Do you mean to tell me that there are more people here that are there here for their own, for their own gain than they are for the gain of Christianity and for Christ? Well, absolutely. I mean, when you think about it, did I come to Christ to follow him or did I come to Christ to save my own back? Some of us have come to Christ just to be spared from hell. And some of us have come to Christ because we got tired. We got tired of our alcoholic, our drug-conditioned lives. And we said, God, if you can free me, just free me. I just need to be set free from this. But I hate to say it, but most of the time we come to Christ because it's self-centered. What's the uh, first and greatest commandment? We read that. That's in Matthew 22. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's hard for me to read sometimes. You know, um, Paulette and I, we just recently moved. It wasn't too long ago from the South Shore. And have you ever had a friend in the process of moving just come out of the blue and come help you unannounced? It is really a real joy just to know that someone is there to catch your back in your time of need. And I can remember even more specifically than that, back in the day when uh, Hurricane Rita came, 
we were, um, we, we were on a family trip. We were away from our house. Well, where our house was positioned, uh, the storm surge had come up, and it literally washed out our garage door, took everything that was in the garage, and literally flushed it right back out into our yard and made a tremendous mess out of everything. And we didn't have any power for a couple weeks, and I came home early from our trip, and I remember, I, I didn't even let Paulette come back to the house. I mean, she had enough issues with that house to begin with, but the, um, the fact as was it was so difficult for me to wrap my head around all the stuff that needed to be done, it was overwhelming. And I'm walking around here, and I'm kind of walking around my house in circles. I mean, I'd start a little pile here, and I'd get distracted, and I'd go over here, and it was just overwhelming. Well, unannounced, Three guys from my Bible study showed up that morning. They had work boots, they had gloves, shovels, and garbage bags. And they said, where do you want us? And I was like, so overwhelmed. I was blown away by their compassion that it was just what I need. It wasn't the fact that I couldn't do the work because typically that's the, I'd rather suck it up than ask for anyone else to do my kind of work. But they actually came over I mean, one took the refrigerator. The refrigerator was just nasty. And by the time that he had finished his job on that refrigerator, it literally looked as good as the day that we bought it. The other one went downstairs, and he started shoveling the muck out of the garage and cleaning everything. The other one was taking all the stuff that was inside and bringing it outside, and we all started power washing and working together. And by the end of the day, it looked completely different from when we started. But more than that, it's what it did for me on the inside. You see, we all need people to step in for us when we need them the most. So what would, pe- what would people say about you? This is what Paul says about Timothy and Epaphroditus. About Timothy, he says, For I have no one else like him. He is valuable to me. When others are thinking of only themselves, I know the heart of Timothy. He has served with me, and I know him as if the father knows his own son. I hope to send him back to you real soon, but for now I find it necessary to send you Epaphroditus. Have you ever given a recommendation for a friend or a family member looking for a job? They've asked you to speak on their behalf, to give them a quality recommendation based on who they are, and you've got in so many words the ability to describe who this person is. Well, I kind of think that's what Paul's doing here about Epaphroditus. Because as he goes into this description of who Epaphroditus is, he says, he's my brother. He's a fellow worker. He's a fellow soldier. And he's your messenger. So I want to talk about fellow brother uh, because he's not talking about a brother in the genuine sense of a brother. And he's not, you know, he's not even talking about like, how in some churches you may see, hey, Brother Dan, welcome to church. It's good to see you, Brother Dan, or, you know, Sister Paulette. You know, we don't do that here at the Vineyard, but uh, there are certain churches that do that. And he's not re- referring to that brotherly fellowship like, like that. Ma- matter of fact, he's more or less taking the fellow brother into what I would call a raw acceptance of one another. Only that of what a family member can do to another family member. For instance, if I were to go to my brother's house, and matter of fact, I don't even need to come unannounced. I mean, I can just show up whenever I want, and as a matter of fact, I can go straight to his refrigerator and pull out a Coca-Cola if I want and just go sit on the couch with my shoes on and everything. I just have that relationship with my brother. Now, on the other hand, as my brother, he has every ability to call me out on that. 
He can say, well, look, that's my last Coke. What are you doing? Go get a glass of water because I want to save that for dinner later. Or he could say, Joan's going to be pissed. Get your, she- get, get your shoes off the, the sofa. Uh, you better not catch her while you do that. And so we have that dynamic where we can go back and forth. And that's what Paul is talking about, Epaphroditus, when it comes to this brotherly love. And I'll also say this. Family has the ability to f- defend one another. And that's something else that Paul is talking about here because he's really defending Epaphroditus's credibility, who he is, how much of a difference he's made to him while he's in prison. And so he's sending this letter back to Philippi explaining just like just that. Just recently, uh, I was actually uh, on the phone with a friend of mine from the South Shore, and uh, he was sharing a, um, a moment with God that he had come across, and uh, it was really good. He and I were involved in a, uh, a, a Wild at Heart ministry. It was like a men's group that we got together, and every Wednesday we'd go through a chapter in the book, and, and so I got to know him quite well. And just recently, we were just kind of touching base and getting caught up with everything. He goes, man, let me tell you something that just recently happened. I was going on a men's retreat last weekend, and on our way up, Steve had pulled over the bus, and we had parked at a, uh, a rest stop, and he took time to actually share a few things that God was saying to him. And through that process, he said, what I want for you guys right now is to go find a quiet spot, go walk off to someplace and just spend a quiet moment with the Lord, just you and him. And so he said he did that. And he says, you know, Dan, that that first time that we went through that Bible study together, you remember Peter? Peter said, he said, um, he came up with that question, who are you? And, and I didn't remember, but he brought it back and refreshed my memory. He says, who are you? And it's really kind of an odd question to ask somebody. Who are you? Well, I'm Dan. Well, no. And he was, you know, the, uh, the leader was probing deeper. No, who are you? I know you're Dan. Who are you? Who, what makes you tick? What's deep inside? What's in the core of who Dan is? And so my friend was saying, you know, for years, that's just been bugging me. It's been inside and it's been bugging me. And, you know... I just wouldn't let it go. You know, and at times, you know, God would wake me up at night and I would be struggling with this identity. Who am I? Who am I? And so he sat there by the water and he was um, just, he was just, you know, sometimes as we do, we're, we're still and quiet before God. And again, this question comes back up to him. He goes, who am I? Who am I? And, and so he started this dialogue with God. And he says, well, I'm a good father that's who I am. I'm a good father. And, and I'm a good husband. And I'm a good papa because he's a, he's, a, he's a new grandpa. And so he says, and I'm a good papa. And he says, you know, I was quiet for a little while and I just kind of sat there. And then he said, it was just amazing. God had come on him and filled him with this, this sense of peace. And he said, you know what God said? He said, you're more than that to me. You're my son. And he said, man, I had this sense of belonging and I had this sense of a family and to know that the creator loved me so much and was so intimate to let me know that I'm his son. He goes, you just don't know what that means. He says, that's a milestone in my life that I will never look back on and never forget. And so today, as we study this with Epaphroditus and a fellow brother and part of the family. We learn that we are all part of God's family. 
And as Christians, as Phil would say from the South Shore Kenner, this was something popular that he, uh, he talked about and that really left an impression on me. But Phil says, you're lucky bums. Do you get it? You're lucky bums because we've been invited into the kingdom of God through the sacrifice of his son. There's nothing we did to deserve it and there's nothing we did to earn it. We just need to accept it. Paul goes on to describe Epaphroditus as a fellow worker. And even Jesus said to his disciples, follow me. And they did. They left their professions behind and they followed him. So if Crispin were to come to us and say, follow me, come join me in this ministry. Does that mean that we're all to leave our families behind and, and, and come into full-time ministry with Crispin? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> Crispin? <laughs> Let me ask you this question. What are your talents? We all have something to give. We're all unique. What is it about you that you can do better than, some, than anyone else? I look at the worship that we had today, and it just blows my mind. I mean, I, I, I talked to Barry, and he was like, dude, I don't know how you can drum and carry on something, a beat with your foot, some with your right hand, some with your left hand, and keep it all together where it's within rhythm. And to, to lead worship, I've been playing a guitar for a long time, but I mean, my wife would never let me get up here and sing. <laughs> it's just, it would be actually counterproductive. People would be leaving. <laughs> so what are your talents? What do you have to offer? It doesn't mean that you have to pick up and leave and follow Crispin or follow a ministry, but what do you have to give to the ministry of Christ? You know, I used to always be the youngest guy in the group, and that was kind of my identity. I, I don't know why it worked out that way, but I was always the, I was the youngest guy in the office or I was the youngest guy in, in my windsurfing clique, or I was always that guy. And I always felt like I had this, this need to, to push the limits, to prove myself of who I was. And I see over the years that I'm kind of changing. Well, first of all, I'm no longer that young guy. And, and second of all, I don't move as quickly as I used to anymore. And when I do, it hurts a little bit more when I get up the next day. Now, do you call that wisdom? Do you call that being smarter? I don't, I, perhaps it's just the fact that my body is moving slower, and I, I decide to take a step back to watch more than I do participate. But perhaps maybe that there's more of a gifting inside of me. You see, it's... it's I have this desire in me that's changing in my heart that wants me to, to help others along the way rather than to do stuff for myself. And so there's something that's changing within me that I think God is doing. I read this in a morning devotional recently, and it's uh, Psalms 147.10, if you want to write it down. It says, His pleasure is not in the strength of a horse, nor his delight in the legs of a warrior, the Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. And you see, that really spoke to me because it's not what you can do on your own strength, but it's more what's in your heart. You see, he called Epaphroditus, he called him a soldier as well. He did not regard his life, but one who fought the battles and endured the hardships of preaching the gospel and ministering to people. So Paul goes into this great detail about his affection and admiration for Timothy and Epaphroditus. I mean, don't we all, sometimes in our life, we need a Timothy or an Epaphroditus 
he talks to the, about Epaphroditus almost dying in his ministry, trying to aid Paul and to help him out. And in John 5, 13, or 15, 13, it says, Greater love has no one than he that lay, his da- lay down his life for his friends. Now, to me, that's a real friend. And it makes me wonder, if I were put to the test, would I go to the distance for a friend? You know, I'd like to think so, but something that, that's just something that you can't just say. It's actually something that you actually have to do. And so perhaps that's why Paul was so desperately wanting to send Epaphroditus back to Philippi. First of all, Epaphroditus was really homesick and he wanted to go. He was longing to go home. But he, perhaps Paul wanted to send him with a great accommodations along the way because Paul says God had mercy on him and spared his life. And then something interesting in this passage that, that kind of clicked with me. It says, but not only that Paul says God spared him from sorrow upon sorrow. It also says, therefore, I am all the more eager to send him to you that I may have less anxiety. Now, I find that interesting because if we go a little bit further in Philippians 4. Paul talks about. Oh, where is that for? 14. Did I write that down? Paul talks about don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Well, that doesn't sound like the Paul that's talking about. Thank you, Lord, for sparing me for this anxiety because I didn't want to tell you about Epaphroditus dying if he died. That to me, that's sorrow upon my own sorrow. And I could not take that if I had to bring that news back to you because I know how well he's loved. Well, that doesn't really like, I mean, when I think of Paul, I think of Paul as rock star Paul, the guy that wrote half the Bible. He's the one that says, consider it joy. Or that was James. But I mean, he said, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, present your request to God. Well, that doesn't, if anything, what it's telling me is Paul has the same emotions and the same struggles that you and I face. Matter of fact, Uh, If I could find it for you in Romans, I find this interesting, too, because in Romans, Paul is talking about, I do not understand what I do for I want to do. I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. It is no longer I myself who do it. Paul's talking about this internal struggle of why is it that I always screw up? I always want to do the right thing, but I end up doing the wrong thing. And that's then I get more. I, I, it's driving me crazy. Well, Paul is just like us and he's going through these same emotions. And I think it's very important for us to at least recognize the fact that he's sending Epaphroditus back with the greetings that he is based on the fact that he's just so happy that he never had to send the news that he didn't make it. Finally, the last part of this is Paul says Epaphroditus is a messenger. Epaphroditus had the all-important job of returning to the church of Philippi with the news of Paul. Matter of fact, without this letter, we may not even be reading this book today. And just a side note, just so you know, the distance from Rome, which is where Paul was, to Philippi, was the distance of a little over 800 miles. And so last night I was playing on the computer just trying to figure this out. 800 miles from here 
to anywhere in the U.S., I said, just straight north. Where do I go? If I were to leave today and walk 16 miles a day for seven weeks straight, I would end up in Indianapolis, Indiana, which happens to be a little over 800 miles. So if you want to put it in context, how far of a trip, it wasn't just like he was going to here in Baton Rouge. And it wasn't like they had a vehicle or a donkey or a car. I mean, he was walking this. So for seven weeks straight, he walked to get this message to the church of Philippi. But he didn't do it just once. Some commentaries suggest that he did it five times. Pretty interesting. So let me close today with how I started. How will you respond to the Bible? Will you be willing as able as a Timothy or an Epaphroditus? Will you be held in high regard for the actions and how you live your life? My mom, for the, uh, for the longest time, uh, I can remember her. She always, she's really big on these, these little you know, inspirational notes, and I'll get them in the mail. I'll get emails all the time. Um, they'll show up in the strangest of places, but they're little encur- words of encouragement along the way. And I'm not sure if she sent this one to me, but it just happens to be the one that really stuck. And it, it says, surround yourself with the people who you would like to become. We all need Timothy and Epaphrodites in our lives. But more importantly, we need to be the Timothys and the Epaphrodites to others as well. Let me close in prayer. Father, we thank you for this Mother's Day and how special they are to us. Lord, they do just about everything. Father, we just ask that this day would glorify you and glorify them as well. And as we learned in the study tonight, or this morning, Father, I, I just pray that we can apply it to our own lives in a practical way. Father, send us out these doors with a renewed sense of what it is that you want us to be as Christians. So, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this worship. We thank you for this trip, this church. And we thank you for Crispin and Dina, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Dan, um, and I, I felt like what he kind of put on my heart was was a couple of things here. Um, number one, I believe God's saying that you know we we honor biological mothers today, but but there are many of us who have mothers in the faith that aren't your biological mom. <laughs> Remember them today, okay? Why don't you? Write an email, write a letter. If, if there's, there's mothers outside of your family that have, have, have really helped you in the Lord, remember those people today, okay? That's assignment number one. And uh, secondly, I, I, I feel like for, for, for some, Mother's Day is a painful day because it, it, it reminds you of you've, you've lost loved ones. And we would like to, to pray with you today. Um, if, if you would fit in that and you'd like some personal prayer, I'm going to close with a word of prayer. Uh, but, but, but for some, it, Mother's Day is just a real tough time. And, and we, want, we want to pray for you, that, that God would just comfort you in the midst of this. And, and the final thing that I, I believe God's putting on my heart is that there are some of you in here today that you have some real anxiety about sickness in your heart today. There. You've got something going on in your life. You don't know what it is. And it's just, if that's you today, if, that, if that's the word of the Lord to you, then uh, if you'd want to come up at the end, we'd just like to pray, pray with you about 
that in particular. So if you if you got some kind of anxiety over something, you, you you're not sure what it is right now. I, I feel like if that's you. Let us pray for you before you get out of here, okay? I'm going to close this with a word of prayer for those things. And uh, if you fit into any of those categories, uh, just just receive from the Lord. And if you want to come back up here at the front, we would, would like to grab a couple of people and, and join with you as, as, as your family and uh, your brothers and sisters in the Lord and pray for you. Lord, this morning we... Lord, as we gather uh, as, a, as a culture, as we celebrate mothers, Lord, today we want, we want to thank you for those even outside of our own families who have been uh, just a tremendous source of love and wisdom and encouragement. Lord, this morning we ask you to bring those to mind that have been like that to us. And Lord, that we could we could do a phone call, uh, write a letter, whatever. We could be a blessing to them as well. We thank you, Lord, that uh, your word says that you set the orphans in homes. You set them in families, God. And, and for many, for many people, Lord, in this church, they... They are separated from their families by a distance of, of miles, and yet you have put mothers in their lives, God. And we thank you for that. Today we honor them as well as our own biological mothers. So, Lord, uh, if there's some people we need to call today, bring that to mind. And, Lord, for the second group that I mentioned, Lord, we pray this morning for those who are just, that Mother's Day is just a time of of sadness because... There has been loss. Holy Spirit, we pray for your comfort today. Lord, for those maybe who have been trying to have children for years and have never had children, Lord, uh, God, we pray for your comfort today. We pray that you would surround these people with your love. God, you would bring to mind how you have been present in their journey the whole way and how you are still with them right now. We pray, Holy Spirit, be the comforter today. And Lord, for those who may be struggling with anxiety over sickness today, we just pray that you would grant peace, Lord, that their lives are in your hands, God. Lord, you give them the grace. Lord, even as Paul in prison, Lord, having anxiety over his friends and his friends being sick, Lord, that you eventually helped him turn the corner. God, we ask for your grace to do that. Whoever's going through that this morning, we thank you so much for your word, for your presence in our life, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if you want to, any prayer before you leave on any of those things or anything else that we didn't mention, please come up to the front and we'll, we'll, we'll be glad to grab a couple of people to pray with you. God bless you. Thank you all for coming out. Thanks, Dan and Ken and everybody. God bless you all.